0: Can you
1: hear that? I think it means it must be spring
0: I know, now that we've seen the back of that nasty beast from the east Because snow in March is just plain wrong
1: It really doesn't seem right, does it? But it's getting milder now, and lighter And it feels like the time of new beginnings Which reminds me Shall
0: we just get on with it?
1: Go on then best introduce ourselves
0: (laughs) well hello then I'm Letitia McClough
1: and I'm Andrew O'Brien and you're listening to the very first episode of the The Virgin Virgin Gardener
0: podcast Welcome to the Virgin Gardener podcast. I'm Letitia.
1: and I'm Andrew. Hello. Well, we're absolutely delighted that you've taken the leap to click listen and are giving us a go. This is our first podcast and we're frankly a bit overexcited about bringing you something that we think nobody else is doing.
0: That's right. We're going to get really big names in gardening to spill all their special tips and tricks and advice. So that not only do you get to listen to them being brilliant and entertaining, but you also get a better garden out of it.
1: So, In amongst all the general garden chatter and advice, we'll regularly be bringing you a fantastic guest to share their brilliance and knowledge. We'll be asking them all the practical questions that we know are important to you as newbie or enthusiastic amateur gardeners.
0: And after that, we're going to have a section on what we're up to in the garden this week. So any plants that we're really loving right now and tips on the most important stuff you can do right now to improve your space, even if you've only got five minutes to spare and you want to be as effective as possible.
1: So, on with our first guest. James Alexander Sinclair is, quite simply, a rock star garden designer. He's designed and made gardens all over the UK and across the world. He's a hugely engaging writer, speaker and broadcaster with regular columns in Gardeners World magazine and Gardens Illustrated. His face regularly graces our television screens And you may have seen him on Gardener's World, the Great Chelsea Garden Challenge, and, of course, as part of the team covering the Chelsea Flower Show.
0: That's right. And James is also an accredited judge on all the RHS flower shows. And he's chairman of the judging panel at the Moscow Flower Show, which he helped to set up. So all in all, he sounds a little bit terrifying, doesn't he? Welcome, James. Are you terrifying?
2: I am so scary. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Children run screaming at my presence. Dogs have been known to to turn tail and fling themselves under passing buses. I'm, I'm one of the scariest people in the universe.
0: So when you're judging those poor exhausted designers at Chelsea, are you? You're you're more of a Craig Revel Horwood, are you, or you're, are you a Len Goodman?
2: I am. I th- I like to think of myself more as 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 a, as as a Darcy Bustle, actually, um, uh, with with constant constantly changing hair, and 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 uh, all quite odd frocks on occasions. Um, uh, no, I I um I am the same as all of us. Where all of us we are fair and measured. And uh, calm and um, uh, objective.
0: Objective. In how? How do you become objective when you're designing? When you're sorry? When you're judging a garden? How can you be
2: objective? That's the only way to judge a garden. It used to be much more. You know, people used to swan around and say, oh, well, I think it's OK. And it, you know, we'll just give that one a gold medal. And there was no explanation behind it. And that was unsatisfactory. So what we're trying yeah. to do is trying yeah. to improve the judging system and make it better and more rigorous and more fair
1: and much, much more transparent. James, how do we take you from the, from the heights of, of being a judge at, at Chelsea, um, take you back a bit uh, to how you actually got into gardening yourself what was it that kind of really made your your heart go boom with plants
2: well this is this is this is um this is where i like to say that that you know as a as a chubby toddler um (laughs) i I wandered out into the garden and said mummy mummy give me a spade uh but that would be a lie actually um i find gardening exceptionally dull for the first 24 years of my life. It was something very boring that my
1: parents
2: parents did. Um, uh, And I was not interested in it even slightly at all. I was forced into doing various garden chores on occasions, but I worked out that the way to get out of that is to do it really badly and really slowly. And then people say, oh, get out of the way, I'll do it. Um, uh, (laughs) And then you don't have to do it anymore. And then I went through a number of, manifestations and I left school when I was sort of 17 or something and um and didn't go to university and wandered around the place and I thought I oh, know I'll be a I'll be I'll be a genius is what I'll be uh, and if I wander around long enough someone will come up and tap me on the shoulder and say James you're a genius come and be a genius in some some area um, so instead uh, nobody came to tap me on the shoulder so I sold jeans and the can join uh, I sold um, double glazing door to door, which is not a career option. I would, I would uh, say to anybody. Um, and and eventually, I I sort of thought, oh, no, no, what am I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no particular ambitions. I have no wish to do anything. Uh, and then eventually, I was living with my sister, and uh, and and mostly smoking cigarettes actually, because I thought that this was a suitable occupation for a gentleman. Um, and she said, don't be ridiculous. Get off the sofa and go and do something. Why don't you go and dig the garden? And she had a little pocket handkerchief garden. And I went out and I dug it. And I thought, well, that's quite fun. And then I persuaded somebody else to let me dig their garden. And somebody else to let me dig their garden. And somebody else to let me dig their garden. Mm. And then I persuaded somebody to let me prune their roses, which was one of the biggest mistakes they ever made in their life. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah. basically became a gardener that way. So 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 oh. I am... Um, uh, I am accidental and I am not terribly qualified and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, I, and it, I came across it later in life and, and that's it. That's how it happened.
0: You kind of managed to elevate it, don't you, from, from just gardening to something a bit, sort of a bit more. I mean, you say that you, it's all about sex and death and deliciousness. Can you sort of slightly, I agree with that entirely, by the way, um, but can you, can you slightly flesh that out for us? Who's having sex with who?
2: <laughs> Gardens, I mean, nature and, and, and life is all about sex and death, basically, isn't it? And we just haven't had the deliciousness thrown from, 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 from in as well. In the, if you go out into your garden, there are, there are things trying to kill each other all the time, be they, be they animals or plants. We have that. I mean, the classic thing is, is if you plant five groups of plants, okay, different plants, then you will find usually that three of those groups spend most of their life trying to kill the other two. By basically smothering them and elbowing them out of the place and growing faster than them. And and, and, and it is a constant battle. And what gardening bit is to stop those ones killing the other ones and to allow the other ones to thrive. And then you have a sort of nice healthy garden with lots of different things in it. And that yeah. is our job as gardeners is to basically be referees in this battle that nature is waging against itself all the time. And so, yeah, you know, slugs come along and quite reasonably decide that they deserve to eat and they deserve to survive. And they're going to eat the easiest thing they can find, which is your hosta. Uh, yeah. And so you are the referee in that battle, which is slug V hosta. Um, <laughs> uh, and we have to, to deal with that. And then there's, you know, the battle, uh, like, you know, persicaria and plexiculis, um, uh, which is a lovely plant, That, that that's this wonderful, wonderful plant, uh, which, which is occasionally mistaken by various clients for dock leaves, because the leaves look slightly dockish when they first start, mm. and they say, it's a dock leaf, and I say, no, it isn't, just you wait and watch, uh, and then they wait and watch, and they get to August, and then this plant gets very large and starts sort of smothering everything else, and you have to sort of hack it back massively. Um, and so it is, it's, 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 it's this whole thing where things are trying to kill each other, things are actually trying to shag each other as well, because that's the reason why plants flower. They don't flower because <laughs> they love us in any way at all. Uh, they flower because they wish to, to procreate themselves, they wish to attract little butterflies and bees to come and do pollinating on them. Um, uh, and so, 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 so basically, when plants aren't trying to have sex with each other, they're basically trying to die. And our job is is to sit in the middle of all of this and admire it and referee it and stroke it and mm. um, just, basically just lie on our backs in the middle of flower beds and enjoy what is going on around us.
1: That's brilliant. And it brings us on to a, another question, which is looking at your gardens, the, the way that you design, it's incredibly kind of easy and sort of relaxed with lots of billowing plants. But underneath, there's really clearly a kind of... Uh, quite a strict structure um, we were just wondering whether that sort of reflects how you design for yourself in your own garden or whether it's kind of a compromise that you feel you've got to make between what you like to look at and meeting your client's own sort of personal and practical requirements or is that just a recipe for a really good garden
2: i think it's i think it's pretty much okay so so if you're designing a garden be it be it your own garden or a garden for somebody else the first thing that has you have to bear in mind is it has to work Okay, So it has to do what right. it's supposed to do. You have to be able to get from your front gate to your front door in the rain as quickly yeah. as possible. You need to be able to get to your shed. You need, need to be able yeah. to put something in your garden to amuse your children. You know, you have a trampoline or a swing or a Wendy house or whatever. You need yeah. to have a washing line. You need to be able to get to the washing quickly uh, and back again. So so, so you have to, to to work out what is necessary, what is needed, what you have to have, to have there. And then After that, then you start cushion scattering and doing lovely things with plants and fluffing things, fluffing things about. But beneath it all, if the garden doesn't work, then it will annoy you. If it annoys you, you will not like your garden.
1: Yeah. So all the practical things first and and then the, the cushion scattering, as you put it on top.
2: Correct. Correct. Exactly. I mean, it's it's it is it is. You know the the lovely thing about the cushions is that you can change them around and, and move things backwards yeah. and forwards. And you you know no plant has to stay in the place where you originally planted it. There's no no reason why you can't move it around and shift things backwards and backwards and forwards as you go. But mm. um, uh, my garden—I'm looking at my garden at this precise moment. It looks remarkably depressed. I mean, we were snowed in for a couple of days, which is always quite fun. Um, uh, but my garden mm. is new; it's you know three years old or something. So it is very much under under development, and I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with it. So, 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 what you expect is you think, ah. That James, he's moved into your Garden, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He's got it all planned and sorted out. And if you thought that, you would be sadly mistaken. And then I'd try something and we'd do this. And then and then every so often i walk through it, and I think, actually, that path's in the wrong place. Let's move it to this place because I don't use it like that anymore. But I have a path. I have got this sort of raised bit. That you walk up and you suddenly come across this sort of hidden flower bed, which is rather lovely, and a pond i put in last year. And then you keep walking, you end up in the compost heap. And I'm thinking, <laughs> not every journey I make through my garden should end up in the compost heap. Although I do like <laughs> my compost heap, isn't it? Uh, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and any visitor that comes to my garden, they don't really. All of them, they're not always interested in it, because it's not just compost heap. It's all that you know the place where the, the place in one's garden where stuff ends up.
1: Oh, where plants go to die—all well, the the corner of shame.
2: That's the one—the corner of shame—and um, yep. uh, and and it's got bits of old wood in it. Anyway, I don't want to go there, so mm. I, to, I now have to change the way that that path goes, so that so that uh, it doesn't take every every possible every person who comes into the garden straight to the garden. But it's
1: interesting to hear you say this because one of the questions we had to ask was how much time do you get, get to spend in your own garden and, and do you actually do it yourself or, you know, have you got a gardener to help you out?
2: I have I have a team of liveried footmen, um basically. <laughs> who, who attend to my every need, actually. At the, I no yeah. At, at, at the moment, they're, they're darning my socks while I wear them. And, and, and <laughs> I have another team who are outside climbing trees and polishing the bark. Uh, no, I, t- I, I try to do as much gardening as I possibly can myself. Uh, my wife, Celestia, does a fair amount of gardening. She is in charge of vegetables. Uh, yeah. So yeah. we have a vegetable garden that she deals with. Uh, and then we have a sort of flower garden that I sort of deal with. And then we have crossovers every so often um and um i you know i try to spend as much of my weekends out there as i possibly can but occasionally well quite often it just gets to be too much and so i summon a man called frank um and, um, and uh, frank appears and does wonderful things and weeds very fast because he's 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 younger and more vigorous than i am
0: i think i think everyone needs a frank really and i'm glad that i'm glad that you too suffer from gardening overwhelm which is you know it seems to be a terrible disease it's
2: life gets in the way and you have to go and do other things and you know particularly during the summer when i'm at shows and traveling around the place and you come back to the garden and it all looks marvelous but my goodness i would quite like to weed that bit but i haven't got time to do it so frank please come and weed my garden so frank turns up and 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 does it so 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 it is um Uh, It's a shared effort between me and Celestia and Frank.
0: Okay, so Celestia and Frank are obviously your heroes, but do you have any designer heroes or other gardening heroes that you'd like to share with us? Who inspires
2: you? Everybody inspires me. Everything inspires me. You go and you see, you know, you go to shows and and it may not necessarily be the great big show-off de doo gardens, but there's little bits and corners that I always get quite excited by. Um, inspiration is is an interesting idea, and, and, and yes, you know, when I was starting, I was reading Russell Page and John Brooks and and mm. all of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and, and, and you know, I'm, I have great admiration for for all of the, the good sort of designers at the moment, you know, the Tom Stuart Smiths and the Christopher Rowley Hulls and the Andy Sturgeons and the Keeve West and all of these other people, basically because they're friends of mine. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and, and I, I like what they do. But then at the same time, you wander down a street sometimes and, and, and somebody's little front garden, you think, God, that's very good. That's rather nice. And you, so, and, and you take ideas from, from all sorts of places. What people say to me sort of quite often about sort of show guards who come back to Chelsea briefly is that they say, oh, it's so unattainable. It's yeah. so unlike mm-hmm. anything that you can do. You're not supposed to do the whole bloody thing you're supposed <laughs> to do bits of it, basically.
1: Yeah, you're supposed to yeah. look at it
2: and say, oh, I quite like that, that combination of three plants. That sort of yeah. works quite well, which is you know, it's one of the important things that we do, again, back to judging, is that we look at the plant choices and make sure that if you decide to go home and replicate that, it will work. So yeah. if you, uh, in your garden, plant something that likes damp next to something that likes dry, then we will penalise you for it because you're giving the wrong message to the public. Um, yeah. So, so it's a plant combination, or it's a material, or it's anything. I mean, I've done, I did a garden that was inspired by a paperclip once,
1: <laughs> which <laughs> is,
2: which is, which is quite funny. It was, it was in in, in Scotland, and and if you look at a paperclip and then you unwrap it and you get this sort of backwards S shape. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we had ribbons of plants that followed the line of a paperclip, and then joined into another paperclip, and and it worked like that. And that was sort of sort of quite fun. So inspiration can come from all sorts of weird and and wonderful places. Um, and and um, I try and get it from from whoever I, I I come across. We have gardening is 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 larceny to a certain extent, uh, in that I we all that. steal ideas. From everywhere we go, I mean, what do we do when we 're go- when we 're not actually gardening in our own gardens, what do we do we We read books, we nick ideas from that, we go to shows, we nick ideas from that, we go to the n g s and we wander down and we eat cake and we nick ideas from gardens that we go and visit. Uh, we read books, we listen to erudite and entertaining podcasts um, and we mm-hmm. nick I- we nick <laughs> ideas from that you see there 's all of those sort of things so so, so gardening is based on, on on larceny and that that what we 're doing is that we 're recycling a lot of the same ideas but it's hopefully in very
1: slightly different ways.
0: I love it that it's all about, it's all about take home. Yeah, well,
2: or nicking stuff.
1: Okay, we've come to the part of the podcast that we want to call take home time because if our listeners are anything like us, they're sitting there waiting for some practical stuff, so I'm afraid James, it's time to plumb your debts. We've asked our listeners to email us with questions for you, but we've also got some of our own that we hope you won't mind spilling the beans on. So, Letitia, why don't you fire away with our questions, and then I'll do the emails. Okay.
0: so I've got... My first question is, most people, James, they can't afford you. So we thought it would be... We would sort of kind of cheekily implore you to distill your many years of excellent experience right here, right now, for free... So we wanted to ask you, what are the three smartest things someone can do to improve an inherited garden?
2: Okay, number one is do not be sentimental about what is there. Um, And quite often I go to people's gardens and I sort of say, what do you like in this garden? And they say, well, that's quite big and it's been there for a long time. That is not a good enough reason to keep anything. Very right. so true and sometimes you you know you said oh yes we we've got this garden and it's got this marvelous apple tree and you go and look at the marvelous apple tree and the thing is riddled with canker on its last legs <laughs> and what it basically needs is, is is it needs a lethal injection as quickly as possible it be um, put out of misery and so you say cut that tree down and they go oh, we can't cut the tree down <laughs> and i say yes you can i did it with with a beech tree once that was probably 150 feet high uh, and and I thought we have to cut the tree down, and everybody's like, can't, can't can't do that, can't do that. We cut the tree down, and the view instantly was of another one that was much mm, better, much healthier, and much happier, and it yeah. meant that everything became became bigger. So 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 so, so do not be sentimental. Um, how <laughs> many of these are you going to do three? Yeah, oh, you got to do three. Got three. Um, uh, an established garden. Okay, uh, don't do anything for a year.
0: <gasps> Brilliant.
2: Brilliant. All right. Just sit there and watch and see what happens because you may. One of the things that I've seen happen before is that people move in about now, uh, where everything is brown and, and quiet, and then they plant a whole load of stuff and then they wonder why their plants have died because actually they planted it in a big patch of brand elder that they weren't, weren't aware was there. <laughs> Um, and the whole God. thing gets sort of smothered. so what's the point of doing that? So, so, so yeah, just just sit and I, it's a really difficult thing to do because people arrive in a new garden they want to do as much they want to can as quickly as possible. but mm-hmm. actually just sit on your hands if you want a garden garden in a pot for the first year or yeah. so uh, yeah. and just watch and see what happens and see, see see how it goes see see you know see where the birds are. See what's growing in your borders. See if there's something actually nice there. There may well not be. Don't, you know, it's like, it's like that whole thing where people say, you've been gardening for a long time. You must have dug up some interesting things. And over 30-odd years, I have not dug up a single interesting thing. I mean, I suppose the most, <laughs> the most interesting thing was, was a, a recently buried cat, which was, which was an oh, unfortunate, unfortunate was thing. Um, uh, but, but, you know, interesting in its own way. Um, uh, so 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 yeah. So so wait and do that. Okay. Now third thing is is basically going back to what we were talking about earlier, which is think about the practicalities and think yeah. about where the places that are, you know the boring thing. Think about, think about the boring things. Think about where you're going to park the car. Um, yeah. Think about the path that takes you to the shed. Think about okay. You think put the picture of the various situations in that you've got a bucket full of potato peanuts that need to go to the compost heap. Mm-hmm. where's the compost heap? Do you, yeah, you, yeah, it can't, you, can't
0: be right down at the bottom. or It's it, got to be accessible. You, or a, what one. you do,
2: uh, shall I tell you the secret to that? Mm-hmm. Is How that big? you have a secondary compost heap.
0: <gasps> you have what, like a provisional th- compost heap? Yeah, you have
2: a sort of halfway house compost heap, <laughs> which is genius. which is small. So what do
0: you do then? Where, where is this comp- provisional compost heap? It's just sort Outside of...
2: Outside your door? It's basically where there's there, there, there is there is one in a bush quite close to the kitchen. Um, and then every so often I go and empty it. It's it's it's, 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 it's like being being the sort of the night soil man um, in, a, in, a, in a medieval village. And every so often you have to go out and do this rather unpleasant job, which is to, to remove the temporary compost and put it on the other one. Uh, but, you know, it's all quite sort of. But, but yeah, basically have it reasonably close so you can go out there without having to put your wellies on. Um, yes, because, it's because so that's
0: in your slippers or bare feet.
2: Correct. You see, you need to be able yeah. to, You need a barefoot compost heap, is what we're going to call it.
0: That's amazing. So that I tell you another nice, thing, right? though. Right? I'm going to yeah, tell you one on.
2: other, one other thing because we started this by saying people can't can't afford me. Um, uh, yes. And actually, the job of a garden designer is to save you money and to stop mm. you making mistakes, which you will then have to do twice. There is there is a little a little saying that 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 I quite like. Uh, which is the idea is that you can be a, a, a gardener without being a garden designer. But you right. cannot be a half-decent garden designer without being a gardener.
0: It's so true. It's like that thing, succulents and cacti thing, isn't it?
2: What succulents <laughs> and cacti thing?
0: <laughs> well, all, all cacti are succulents, but not all succulents are cacti.
2: Uh, okay that's the same thing and i may well get this the wrong way around all azaleas are rhododendrons but not all rhododendrons are azaleas yeah that's Uh, a good one
0: we should think up more of those
2: i think it's i think it's 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 a, a a good thing
0: it's a very good thing so uh my my last question james what are your most used plants just one really a planting combination you use again and again and again
2: when I first started doing this, and I was I was young and and uh, full of full of um, revolutionary verve, um, mm. I decided that roses were boring and old fashioned, and we shouldn't plant them any longer. Mm. Um, okay. Nowadays, I'd never plant a garden without a rose in it. Which 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 um, means either that, that I was wrong or I have now become old fashioned and boring and fusty. Softened. Yep. And softened <laughs> is what it is. So, so so yes, roses. I'm having I'm having a bit of a love affair at the moment with uh Rosamut. Lovely. Which is gorgeous. Um, and and also a rose which is similar to that, which is called oh gosh, and I, I can't remember. Bengal bengal so, tiger it's like bengal tiger but it's not bengal bengal tiger which is rosa oh um you'll have to look it up
0: what we'll do what we'll do james is we can we can once you've thought it up you just tell me and i'll put it in the show notes so people can have it so, not
2: all of us can remember everything all of the time and i think that that's that's another important not. message okay is that those of us who are professional gardeners also forget things quite regularly because it is an enormous subject. And none right. of us will ever know everything about everything. No matter how long we live or how much we garden or how much we read or how much we listen to interesting and erudite podcasts, we will never know everything. And we will always learn something new every single day that we got.
0: Which is why
2: we do it. When no, no, there's a number of reasons. We do it. We don't just do it for in order to learn more stuff. We do it because we love it. Because the mm-hmm. other thing is, is is a really, really important thing is that if you wake up one morning and you look at your garden and you think, oh God, I've got (laughs) to do the bloody gardening. Then just stop doing it and go and live somewhere which doesn't have a garden. Because if you don't enjoy it, there's no point in doing it. If every day is a trouble and a chore and a pain, then go and do something else, go and take up kayaking or long distance ice skating or something along those lines and live in a flat you can have a little little pot of basil from tesco on the windowsill and you can watch it die quietly
0: that is such good advice such good advice it should never ever become like that and if it does become like that then do something about it don't continue Being miserable because of your garden. It's it's all supposed to be about joy. Thank you so much for answering my questions. That's absolutely wonderful. I think Andrew has some emails now, don't you?
1: I do. Just three emails. Just three? (laughs) that all? (laughs) Yeah, just three, and they're really long. I've I've, I've put myself out for three bloody emails. We drew them out of a hat. Anyway, so this one is from Freddie, who Instagrams from at Home. I am currently studying garden and landscape design. Chelsea Flower Show has become a proving ground for garden designers. Is it right that as designers we should aspire to do a show garden at Chelsea or has it just become a justification of a designer's profession?
2: You don't have to do a show garden at Chelsea. I haven't done a show garden at Chelsea. Oh well I, mean, I did. I did um, I did one last year but that was for the RHS so that was that was an unjudged show garden. I did one in 1999 that judges actually hated. I haven't done one since. Um <laughs> Uh, uh because i I don't particularly want to um and I'm much happier gardening in 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 real gardens um mm. that said um If you feel that that is a good career move for you as a garden designer, then go and do it. But don't feel obliged Mm. to do show gardens. It's not something, you know, there's lots of garden designers out there who have never done show gardens. Um, Mm. Garden design, interestingly, when I was, again, when I was young, many years ago, um, (laughs) I had a conversation with, with this old boy um, and I was being very polite to him because he had a very attractive daughter, and it's always a good idea to be nice to people's fathers if they have attractive <laughs> daughters. And and he said, "What do you do?" And I said, "I design gardens." And he looked at me as if I was completely mad. And he said, "What people actually want that done? <laughs> um, <laughs> garden, <laughs> garden design is quite a new thing. Um, in that all of this sort of sort of you know." shows and designers and all of that sort of stuff, and, and Chelsea and all this sort of, the cult of the, of the designer's personality is, is relatively new. Mm. Um, uh, and actually, if you do your job well, uh, and you will get passed from client to client, you don't really need to do show gardens. Do it if it makes you happy. If you want to, if the opportunity arises, grasp it with both hands. Uh, but don't feel that it is the be all and end all and if with, and unless you do a show garden you will never become a successful garden designer.
0: I, I always think that I always think that you have to be a bit of a quite a well a pretty hardy specimen of a person to to do a show garden. Would you say that that was fair? It's quite stressful isn't it? It can be
2: quite stressful it's it's interesting because I did this Radio 2 garden last year which was quite sort of sudden because we suddenly had a gap and we had to fill it. Um, mm. uh, and they said, couldn't you come and do a garden?" This was probably about this time last year, mm. and I said, "Sure." And mm. it was it was much easier if you don't stress about it too much. And so, so I thought I thought I thought of this idea and drew it in about seven minutes because every so often it's <laughs> it's, it's not always like that, but every so often it's really straightforward. And then I went to the nursery and I said, well, I'll have 50 of those, 50 of those, 100 of those, 30 of those, 20 of those, 50 of those. And that was it. Bosh. However, had I had a year to worry about it, I would have worried about it much more. Um, mm. but, but you also have to sort of sort of realise that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, if, it's, it's a garden. If it's got a strong design and it's planted well and you have enough good people to help you, then it'll be fine.
1: Mm. No, that's brilliant advice. Thank you. Um, The next question we've got is from Harriet Addison, who's at Harriet Addison on Twitter, who says, Hello, I'm totally confused by wisteria. I was given it as a present two years ago and it's been sort of happy ever since, but I have no idea how far back to prune it. The main stem grew to about a metre and a half long with very few side shoots. My instinct says cut to the main stem back but I don't know when to cut it or how far to cut it back. It's the old Wisteria question. The old Wisteria
2: uh. question to which there are a million answers on a million <laughs> internet sites in a million places. Um, um,
0: yeah, but she wants
2: it from you. Oh, she exactly. wants it from me. She we, wants it from me. It's it from really you. because okay, you get you get this complicated thing You said okay, well, what you need to do is you need to cut back to five buds in February and then three buds in 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 um, August, and all of that kind of stuff. And people get really worried about it and they get concerned and they think, well, hang on, I, I, five buds from where? And mm. are those buds or are those something else? And and what is that? And and it's it is a tricky yeah. and difficult thing to sort of explain how to do it. The best thing to do is to actually go and show somebody how to do it. But but a couple of things. Thing one is that during the summer, uh, a wisteria puts on an awful lot of what I call spaghetti which is that sort of really, really thin, twiddly, twiddly stem. The Sickle Arms. Yeah, basically, exactly. That, that then just wrap itself around it, around itself and, and get itself in a terrible knot and all. Most of that, you can chop that back in about August time, but just see mm. when it gets back close to the, to, to the main stem, just stop. Um, so you can tidy it up quite neatly doing that. And then in February time, I did mine the other day, actually.
1: Mm, um, the snow.
2: Uh, and, and and it's it's it, I, I chop chop that back to about five buds-ish, but without mm. actually counting because it's it's altogether too much. But I shall tell you the most important, and the question that we get asked about wisteria quite a lot, is why is my wisteria not flowering?
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I've been looking after it for five years and it's still not flowering. Never buy a wisteria that isn't in flower exactly yeah is the answer because some wisteria are there and they are they are secret agents uh and they are they are they are deeply devious and they sit there and say oh i'm just going to be looked after forever i'm never ever ever going to flower mm. but what i'm going to do is i going to make this poor person worry about pruning me and to, 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 to lavish me with the finest manure from Fortnum and Mason's um, uh, and, and, and generally cosset me and I'm never going to flower because some of them just don't and it just doesn't happen. So, so always make sure that, that, that you buy wisteria that has the evidence of having flowered always in flower. Uh, mm. And then the other thing about it is just don't worry too much. Mm. Because if you get it wrong one year, then you get it right the next year. And and one of the glorious things about gardening is that it repeats itself to a certain extent. Mm. Um, uh, and, and you think, oh, my God, I've cut all the buds off the wisteria. It's never going to flower. So, oh, maybe not mm. this year, but next year. And it's got quite nice leaves anyway. That doesn't Absolutely. answer her question at all. But it manages well, they- to get me out of a hole slightly. And I fudged and talked long enough to get out of it.
1: Well, I think it does answer it does answer the question, and also to go back to one of the points you made about living with someone else's garden. Um, if it gets to a certain stage and it really is driving you nuts, um, just be ruthless and get rid of the darn thing. Uh, yeah, there's, there's
2: there's a very important thing is, is is that all gardeners have to remember is that plants are not puppies, um, mm. and they can mm. just be for
1: Christmas. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic advice.
0: I mean, I I do I do love this idea of this evil selfish
1: wisteria
2: plants and plants plants (laughs) and some of them are absolute bastards (laughs) do
1: you know what the main takeaway i've got from what you've just said is that fortnum and mason's supply manure yeah
0: i love that yeah
1: i want some of that (laughs) the last question is from robin adams i have a dry shady sloping bed which is directly outside my kitchen sliding doors about two and a half meters square do you have any thoughts on how not to get overcome with excitement and plant every shade loving beauty and what would you do with this sort of space
2: dry shady is is you know one of those things that people people worry about i moved into this garden and that's the first garden i ever had had shade in it which is quite exciting i rather like shade um first thing is is uh, dry shade you need to work on the soil Mm-hmm. Uh, when it first first rises, and put a little bit of oomph back into the soil so that things will will sort of work quite quite Or things will grow and things will thrive One of the one of the most depressing things in the world is to go and see a plant a, a bed full of plants that are unhappy um, mm. And that people suddenly think oh gosh, I really want to plant, you know Lavender and they ain't got nowhere to plant it, but they plant it anyway well, I really want to plant roses and roses basically will not thrive without five hours of sunshine a day. Yeah. Um, uh, and if they don't get that, then they'll sulk and they'll be grumpy and yeah. they won't do it. And no matter how much you you talk to them, no matter how much you love them, they will not do it. So you always have to read the label and be careful. Um, Okay, so so, so dry shade, you cannot plant the whole world in a two and a half meter border, (laughs) um, unfortunately, therefore you have to be selective. However, the good thing about it is that as we have already established plants are not puppies and you can chuck them out if you want to, you Mm. can change your mind every so often. Um, Mm. There are good, reliable, tough old ferns that will do nicely in that that situation. Uh, One of the lesser used shrubs that likes it in that is Hebe Parviflora. Do you know Hebe Parviflora? Uh, Yeah. Hebe Parviflora is an evergreen tough old thing that will basically Mm. grow anywhere. It has a really nice sort of flowers pretty much negligible and not interesting at all because again Mm. if you're looking at dry shade you're not gonna get a huge amount of flower in there and you're almost definitely not gonna get very much color in there. You might get a little bit Mm. of bulb action going on there. So you can do some snowdrops and snaconites and all of those sort of things. Hebe Parviflora will be there and will look after you uh, quite happily the whole way through the year uh, and just be this sort of green foil to anything else that happens around it. There's, uh, the there's Drioctoris ferns that make quite a good contrast with that Hebe that will go, will go well in that bed. Um, more bulbs, uh, particularly in the, because I'm assuming that the shade comes from an overhanging tree. This may be completely wrong, but when you have shade hanging from an overhanging tree, it only becomes shady when the leaves come on the tree.
1: Right.
2: So you can get a certain amount of action, which is why you, you, you will see a lot of stuff going on in a woodland before the leaves come on. Um, hmm. So you have to sort of think about that. So, so yeah, early this time of year, right. um, snowdrops, aconites, erythroniums, you know, all sorts of jolly things hmm. like that running around the place. Um, the RHS has got a list of dry shade plants I can't remember very many off off the top of my head but there's lots of uh, the the interesting point about it is that if you do not have a huge amount of space don't try and put everything into it
0: I think this was the essence of this question wasn't it Andrew how do you stop yourself? how
2: do you control yourself? how do you discipline yourself? self-control woman how else? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you you, you have to realise you have to realise that you do not own q gardens okay basically yeah. and and if you garden in less than you know 30 acres then you can't have everything you have to we live in a country where it is possible to grow god i don't know how many thousands of plants very few of us live in a garden or own a garden that can that can <laughs> basically accommodate all of those so you have to actually cut your cloth to suit your whatever it is to, 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 to suit your yeah. shape and you have to say but but you have to say I really love that plant but I can't have you at the moment
0: Oh it just makes me want to put my bottom lip out and stamp my foot
2: You in particular Letitia, I feel <laughs> I feel are particularly susceptible to this and, and wanting everything to I wanting to, to grow the whole lot uh, and you can't. <laughs>
0: I was totally busted but I have mended my ways I, and and this is after a lot of years of um uh, of having been slightly I don't know albatrossed by it by too many plants in a too smaller space so I have I've learned um from experience I don't know if I would have been able to be told that obviously I I hadn't and people must have told me to edit my plant palette but and it didn't go in. Nobody
2: wants to listen to things they don't want to hear.
0: No. Um,
2: basically, it's, it's, it's people saying, I really want to grow rhododendrons. I had a client once who said, I really want to grow rhododendrons. And I said, you live in the Cotswolds. It's made of limestone. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he said, no, I want to grow rhododendrons. So we had them when I was a child, and I want to grow rhododendrons. And I said, OK, well, what we are going to do is we're going to do an experiment. Um, and so we dug a big hole. And you know those sort of ton bags that you get from builders' and merchants, full of sand. Mm. We filled that ton bag. We buried this, this ton bag in the ground and filled it full of ericaceous compost, and then planted a red engine in the middle. And I said, "Okay, what we're going to do now is that you and I." We're going to sit here and watch that plant die. It's going to be like something from something from the Circus Maximus. It's going to be it's going to be hideous and we're going to watch this plant battle against uh, limey rain runoff from the other soil around it and we're going to make it worry about the humidity that doesn't exist and you are going to understand that rose are never going to grow in your garden. Um, and so we did that for about six months and then he stopped bringing me up. I've never been back since. James,
0: thank you so much for sharing all this epic gardening knowledge with us. Um, Tell us where we can find you online.
2: Oh, almost everywhere. I have a website and I have Twitter and uh, Instagram and uh, all the the rest of it.
1: We'll put those details in the show notes, won't we? We will. We certainly will. Thank you so much.
0: And now it's time for our garden chat. We thought we would do a little section on what we've been doing in the garden this week. So, Andrew, what have you been up to in your garden this week?
1: Oh, well, now the snow's gone because that snow really just stopped everything for about a it week. It was really. bad, wasn't it? It was too cold <laughs> to do anything in the greenhouse. And if you put any, you know, sowed any seeds into compost, it would have just given them a horrible shock because it was just too freezing. <laughs> so just stop for a week. Um, but now it's March suddenly, and suddenly everything's full on um, because it's spring, and uh, the light levels are up, and and everything's growing away at a pace. So now I've got seeds to sow, um, some oh. chilies and tomatoes. Uh, that's happening. I've actually sowed some chilies last month, and they need potting on.
0: Oh, well, what variety of chilies?
1: I have got a basket of fire. and hungarian hot wax which sounds like a a beauty treatment um
0: yeah i've i've grown i've grown i've grown the hungarian hot wax and they're very very delicious aren't they they? i haven't had them before
1: so that's a new one for me actually they're both new for me um so fingers crossed and and people get this funny thing about oh should you plant because chilies need a long season Mm. um to, to ripen, and some people say, "Oh, and you mustn't, you must plant them, uh, sow them really early," um, mm. and then other people say, "Oh no, they just get long and leggy. Wait until March, and and so on." But the thing is, if they get long and leggy, you just stick. When it comes time to pot them on, and um, take the seedlings and stick them in a, a slightly bigger pot, you just stick them deeper into the soil um, Oh
0: really? Is yeah. that, that is a good tip
1: Yeah, well, because if they get long and leggy which means they're kind of growing long and tall towards the light and they look a little bit sort of weedy and, and thin um, then if you just grow them uh, pot them on at the same level then they're in danger of toppling over because they're a bit like a lamppost rather than a nice fat bush um, but yeah, if you just make a deeper hole um, and plunge them a bit further in when it comes time to pot them into a bigger pot yeah. That's
0: great then they're sort of supported. And Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. yeah fantastic.
1: Top tip. What about you? What are you doing?
0: Well, as you know, I'm 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 a snow hater.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm officially. My children think I'm the worst kind of role doll <laughs> villain. I hate snow. What even in and, winter? Uh, ergo, I hate fun and children and yeah. all the rest of it. Even. So I'm so glad it's over. I can't tell you, snowmageddon did me in. <laughs> Fully did me in. But anyway, yeah. So no gardening. All the only gardening I did last week was, and I don't, I don't think you can call it gardening. Is I cleaned my shed. Oh, that counts. That counts. And I, I. I, I I follow this wonderful, wonderful woman called Sylvana Desoissons yeah. um on uh, Instagram and mm-hmm. she She's this fantastic woman. She does all sorts of things, but she's also a real cleaning aficionado, and she's into cleaning oh. with you know with natural substances, well, natural bicarbonate, things. soda, and vinegar, In- and all that. Malarkey. Indeed, exactly. Oh. Um, anyway, she she wrote a post a while ago about a, uh, that she's renting a house and she had to clean the kitchen. And um, she did it by going from top to bottom and left to right. And I thought this actually ties in a a lot with the way that I actually weed. I I concentrate on one small space. Oh, yeah, you had that
1: hula hoop thing that I got from you.
0: Exactly.
1: Which is, percent. do you want to explain the hula hoop thing? Because otherwise people okay, so the thing I've
0: gone mad. Uh, the hula hoop weeding thing is you, you get one of your children's hula hoops, or indeed your own, if you mm-hmm. hula hoop. That, I mean, it's perfectly acceptable. Oh, yeah. Um, and you just drop it down on one piece of earth, and you just weed inside that hula hoop. And you don't let your eyes go anywhere else. Such just, a good plan. It's a good plan. So this was that exactly the, really, pretty much the same thing. Mm. But cleaning-wise, I don't enjoy cleaning, and I don't find it exciting. Or, you know, yeah. <laughs> some people do. By the way, some people you know, love it.
1: they really, really did. I, all power I do. To them. I wish they'd come around to here and and do mine.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, so um, anyway, I cleaned from left to right and mm. top to bottom, and you know what? It really kept me focused. It was absolutely brilliant, and um, I managed to clean my shed from left to right and top to bottom, in five minutes a day. So that was in, what, 35 minutes.
1: And uh, felt very pleased with yourself afterwards. I was frightfully smug about that. Which is good, because now you can get with your gardening tasks and you haven't got to think, <laughs> oh, I wish i have got to get to the shed as well.
0: <laughs> exactly. But in terms of gardening, I the first thing I did when the snow went away was that I watered. Um, because, ah, as you know, mm. the, the, the freezing temperatures cause desiccation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and so just like just just the same as um hot temperatures hot and dry temperatures will kill a plant freezing temperatures will kill the a plant because plants can't the take way. any
1: water up when they're frozen, can
0: they? Indeed, they can't. So I watered really really well, particularly my pots. Mm-hmm. Um and that was um so that was a tiny bit of gardening and then today I planted some dahlias. Oh yes. Yes, yes, I saw that
1: on your Instagram.
0: I did. Um, and I have not grown dahlias for years. So and I'm I really beginner.
1: And how are you going to keep the slugs off? <sighs> have you, caught, you know a, copper tapes the um, <laughs> top of the pots? <laughs> if you haven't, buy some copper tape, stick them around the top of the, your pots. Uh, presumably you've, you've put them into like two litre plastic pots yeah,
0: yeah i've put them in plastic pots and i'm i'm pretty sure that slugs won't get in my shed which is where they are now but okay. yes when i when i plant them out i'm gonna have to be very very vigilant mm. have you tried um you know eggshells and things like that oh I'm yeah keen on trying no, that, i have to do, do everything
1: you know? in our garden we have to i mean the best thing really uh, are net slug nematodes which is some revolting little microscopic biological thing which go and explode the slugs. The only problem with those, they're very good, and you water them on the soil. Um,
0: I love that idea.
1: Yeah, but the only problem is that they don't work on snails.
0: Oh, but that's Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. It, you're happy for snails odd. to eat your plants? No, Andrew, not... I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, but I find snails kind of acceptable in a way that I find slugs unacceptable, and maybe it's because they're wearing some clothes.
1: Uh, okay. They're not totally naked. You don't they're mind. They're not totally yeah.
0: disgusting. There's something. Oh, I I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on this. Are snails cuter than slugs? If snails and slugs can be cute in any oh, no, way. Absolutely. Possible? Snails are
1: definitely. I mean, we don't even need people to get back, but they're welcome to. But of course, snails are, <laughs> are infinitely more acceptable socially than slugs. But I, um, I, I would the kind thing of is, the they are all very useful in gardens um, because they break down. You know your leaf mold and stuff like that. the trouble is they then go and break down your tasty plants, but they you know, do this so is the these message.
0: nematodes then do they yeah. they create a sort of John hurt in alien situation? absolutely
1: exactly like that right for, i'm for loving slugs. that, but you need that, and because beer traps don 't work for me the beer, they what they do, they sacrifice a couple of their mates and fling them in the beer traps, and then they climb over the bodies of their no. Your sozzled mates, and they go, "Yeah, my slugs are."
0: We ha- so they're not only discussing their evil as well. Uh, w-
1: well, I have then noticed that the drunken slugs get up and get out of the thing, leaving hardly any beer behind either. So, I think I've just got <laughs> savage slugs.
0: Now I do. I'm I'm one of these. I don't use chemicals in the garden at all, mm-hmm. and um, I, so I'm I don't like slug pellets. I have tried those wool pellet things. And oh yeah. I've I've. With varying degrees of success. But um, I found, obviously, the most successful thing is to get out there every evening with a torch and just pick them up and put them in a jar. And I can't quite bear to kill them because I'm a nice lady. Yeah, I have that too. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) What? what I do is I take them through the house and I take them out to the front and I put them in the road which is probably worse in the hope is that, that we'll
1: get run over because you know <laughs> basically know. mollusks are homing they'll just come straight back into your house they'll probably climb over the top of your house to get into They the... couldn't
0: possibly surely oh, no yeah. not oh. uh, okay maybe
1: <laughs> yeah it's just wait to... i mean it's great exercise for you but they will get back I promise.
0: Okay. All right. Well, maybe I'll I'll find a way humanely. I'd love to hear anyone's ideas. Hedgehogs. Humane- you
1: have to. And you've, you've been encouraging hedgehogs in your garden, haven't you?
0: Uh, indeed, I have. The week before Snowmageddon, I took delivery of the most sublime hedgehog house. Have you got one?
1: No, I haven't. Well, it, not a purpose-built posh thing like yours. I've got some logs, <laughs> you know, some rubbishy old logs, which hedgehogs love, but you've actually gone and, and bought something Well, you've posh. probably
0: got hedgehogs in yours. I haven't found a hedgehog in mine.
1: Well, house. you know hedgehogs don't stay in one place. They have, like, a territory, and they will have a number of snuffly little holes across that territory that they'll sort of spend a a night in, sort of thing. So they won't stay every night in your hedgehog home. So just because you haven't seen one doesn't mean that they're not there, if you see what I mean.
0: Well, I'm hoping massively. As you know, I'm in London, which is, it's a bit difficult, Hmm. you know, to kind of, um, you know, I don't know, make holes in other people's walls. (laughs) But, you know, I'm going to endeavour to do it. So, yes, I've been trying to encourage hedgehogs. But other than that, that is the sum total of the gardening I've been doing. Um, And obviously this podcast has taken up quite a bit of... I'd call this gardening, wouldn't you? Uh, It
1: counts. (laughs) It's less muddy, but, you know, I think it counts. And it's all going to get busy from here on in as as the days get warmer. So, yeah, plenty to look forward to.
0: Indeed.
1: Plenty to keep us busy. That's it for this episode. Thank you to James for being our first guest and thank you so much for listening. And we hope to see you again very soon for the next instalment of the Virgin Gardener podcast. She's Letitia.
0: Oh, and he's Andrew. (laughs) And we'll be back with more gardening tips and tricks very soon. You can find me at letitiamcloof.com. That's L-A-E-T-I-T-I-A-M-A-K-L-O-U-F
1: dot com. And I'm at gardensweedsandwords.com.
2: If you have enjoyed listening to this episode of the Virgin Gardener podcast, then what would be really useful and really helpful is if you went to wherever you get your podcast from and put a five-star review on, which basically says that Andrew and Letitia are marvellous. Their choice of guests is sensational. And what we really want is more and more and more of this. We want so much of this podcast that we want to bathe in it as if it was slightly warmed ass's milk. Um, So there you go, the Virgin Gardener podcast. Something for everybody, uh, whether you be gardener or baby fancier.
0: I love it.